Hey, and welcome to the Raising Your Game podcast with me, Lewis Hatchett. I believe there's so much to learn from the world of sport, whether it's transferring into your own sporting and exercise goals or simply into your everyday life. I'll be speaking to those in the world of sport as well as drawing upon my own experiences to give you the stories, ideas and tips that you could potentially add into your world and will help you at raising your game. In this episode, I'm speaking with Gary Ward, a highly sought after individual in the world of human movement, injury prevention, and also performance development. Creator of the Flow Motion model, Gary has been known for his book, What the Foot, as well as assisting Rangan Chatterjee in his work on BBC's Doctor in the House, as well as assisting him in his books, Feel Better in Five, and The Four Pillar Plan. Gary's work has seen him move into professional sport within the Premier League, working with footballers, as well as travelling around the world, giving talks, seminars, workshops on all of his methods to practitioners and professionals, which also is available on his website, findingcentre.co.uk, where people can learn his methods online using those resources. I'm super excited to have this podcast with Gary Um, For those who are really into their movement side of their sport and exercise, he's definitely someone to check out and go look at his work. We start the podcast where Gary is going into his journey of where he is now and how he actually got there. So I give you Gary Ward. Enjoy. So I was a... trainee teacher doing a in the England the PGCE postgrad certificate in education to teach languages French and German and uh, um, I didn't see the year through so um, I actually looked back and realized that I was I was a bit I was depressed because I didn't really know all of a sudden my goal for being a teacher had ended and I didn't have anything else uh, kind of in my sights so um, I ended up, uh, mum bought me a book home saying how to get a job in a ski resort because I loved skiing. So off I went um, to, ended up going down to, I got a qualification <laughs> as um, in uh, ski technicianing, uh, how to wax the skis and stuff. And um, took that little certificate, armed with that certificate and rolled off to uh, London, ski show and the Birmingham ski show and I met a guy called Darren Kennedy who uh, um, basically if you could have said to me um, well Courchevel was uh, in the three valleys in France was my favorite ski resort in the world at the time and he basically offered me a resort manager's job in this in this in this ski resort Um, and I'd been offered something like five pound a season and free free food (laughs) to work on all these places and he offered me a good salary so he offered me a good salary and and I was like, wow, this is meant to be. So um, off I went and um, I worked out there in a rental store for a year. And the same guy, uh, after one season, asked me if I wanted to come back, but be a bit more industry based. So he was setting up a shop and that shop was going to be a technical uh, equipment shop. So that we became um, kind of number one shop really for selling skis boards and and then the the boots and my thing was the ski boots to manage the the hardware side of things but also um 
to sell ski boots. And uh, it was a, th we did, we arrived, I don't know, arrived in the September or the October. Actually, no, not even that, in the, in the December, I think we had like three weeks. So in three weeks, we, um, <laughs> we basically went from, I'd never seen a foot before other than the ones on the end of my feet. I thought they were for kicking footballs and all of a sudden, um, I was seeing these bones introduced to this guy, these shapes, um, um, and what to look for when, when you're putting them in a ski boot. Um, and ski boots are obviously unforgiving, hard and solid. So, um, any, any shapes that the foot would hold that were not an ideal foot shape would show up in the ski boot. So if you, if your foot was a bit collapsed, you get your inside ankle or the inside where the navicular bone is that would push the toe forward into the end or a high instep into the roof of the boot or push the foot out into the little toe area. And you'd be able to look at someone's foot and say, when this, when you put this boot on, you're going to be able to feel it here, here and here. And they were like, Oh my God, he knows his stuff. It's because that's what would happen as soon as they put it on. And then to reorganize that foot inside the boot. So it was comfortable. Obviously we were using, um, um, Comfamab or CDAS uh, footbeds at the time. So standing people on the silicon pads and filling up the space in the arch and shaping it so that, and I just had a massive affinity for it. So I just connected um, and people could walk in the shop with sore feet and ski boots and walk out with not sore feet or a new pair of boots where it was all, all managed. And then uh, the next thing that was interesting was, was people would come back uh, and there was always one of two outcomes. One was their, their something didn't hurt. So whether it was their feet didn't hurt or their back didn't hurt, that's what kind of piqued my interest. It was like, we didn't really do anything with your back. We didn't do any stretching, didn't do any deadlifts. <laughs> yeah. put, an in, put an insole in your ski boot and tidied your feet up and your back pain went away. And it was instant. So they'd come back in the same day. Um, and of course, the other thing was that, that I've never had, I've never skied like that in my life, the performance. So um, it, it took me a few years to, for the messaging, but the pain and performance were two things that were definitely coming out of organizing people's feet better. So, um, so you found as soon as you got rid of the pain, your performance got better. No, I, one or one or just, the other. So just either one. Be like, I'm, 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 I, I always bring the kids skiing because they love it, and my husband loves it. But I'm on my back kills. I hate it, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I fucking love it because. I don't have any discomfort in my back anymore. Yeah. And then the husband had come in and he doesn't have any pain, but he's like, I've never skied like that in my life. Just flying and, and you, you know, I can find both edges and the instructor's praising me because what are you doing different today? Because you, your tips aren't together or stuff like that. So um, obviously my interest was just huge and peaked. Like how do you, how, how, what's happening? Um, and I was... That was it. I mean, I basically knew the anatomy up to the where they cut it off here. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and good stuff was happening. But that's not true because um, I, I always joke that I learned my anatomy from Flex Magazine when I was trying to learn to weightlift age sixteen. So I <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. Um, and um, yeah, so the next thing I did the finished that one season, um, and then I went home and I then got qualified as a personal trainer. The, the, it was a long, there wasn't a big, a long, it was an easy decision to make, but I spent a lot of time doing, looking at, um, do I want to be a podiatrist? Do I want to be a physio? Uh, what I'd, I'd already done, that was, that was my fifth year of, of kind of university when I, when I did the, um, when I left the teaching. So did I really want to go through that whole process? That was a big part 
of it? Did I want to go back to uni? Um, and also, did I want to give up on the skiing and the ski boot fitting and, and all that? So, you know, a three month uh, personal training program was the was was the way personal training, sports massage, sports therapy, and then straight back to the mountains. And, um, and uh, so and I, I won't say the company that I learned with, but I, I genuinely, <laughs> I, I, I didn't learn anything through the process because I'd already learned it all in Flex magazine because it was just, it's just the same old, same yeah. old. You just, this is your lats, these are your pecs, these are your biceps, these are your delts, do these exercises. Um, and, you know, I did learn the sports massage and actually we, we did a, uh, a healthy amount of um, massage when we were in the mountains. Uh, so ski boot fitting all day, skiing, then massage in the evenings at these chalets. And uh, and that was me getting my hands on uh, practice on, on the body. And um, 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 anyway, long, long story short, already a long story, but um, <laughs> I got to the point where um the the love of skiing was slowly being overtaken by the need to understand more and work more in in that environment so where was that um, need coming from was that need coming from you or was that more people really finding out about how you were changing them on the slopes or no just me just just pure you. just pure um i always wanted to spend all my time on it Okay. Uh, you know, and suddenly talking about a Patagonia jacket or uh, how much flex there is in a ski <laughs> was just wasn't that interesting anymore. So yeah. your values change over time. Yeah. Um, and my values had moved totally into into this space. So that was when I went and um, began personal training full time uh, back in the UK, uh, and I was I managed to personal train in a gym in LA fitness for about 18 months before moving down to London and working and in that 18 months um I'd peaked the idea of the three-dimensional movement the connection of the foot to the body um I'll never forget a, a lady she's one of those you know who you just that was a big turning point moment where she was um stood next to the dumbbell rack and uh she had like peroneal pain all down the left side of the leg from from doing an exercise um and i just said what would i do in um in a ski boot because i can see the shape that the foot's holding and what i would do in a ski boot would be to to support the inside of the foot so that it wasn't rolled in um and i and i got her to stand on the on the um i think i just rolled up a yoga mat shoved a yoga mat under under her big toe uh, on the inside of the foot and um and it didn't really change the shape of the foot so i asked her to change the shape of the foot by twisting to the left and i got her to twist to the left um and watch the foot kind of do this movement and she did this spiral and then kind of walked off and went uh, that the perineal had gone pain had gone away so uh, <laughs> i think i used to i was lucky i think but I did the right things, but people would have these amazing responses. And of course it wasn't always, but you remember the ones where you go, well, that did something. Yeah. So yeah. try and break that down and try and understand that. Um, and so all of a sudden you can move the body to influence the foot. You can move the foot to influence the body. There's got to be a connection. Let's, let's go and, and find it. Um, 
and we ended up um, ended up looking at the uh, at the gait cycle, the walking cycle, so that we could um, better begin to appreciate the knock-on effect, if you like. I'm, try I'm trying to talk in my brain back then, but it's really hard, but there is a knock-on effect. So if I move my foot, it, it will affect the ankle, which will move the tibia, which is then speaking to the knee. So then the and now the thigh, the femur bones involved, now we're at the hip, then the pelvis. If the pelvis is moving, then now we're at the spine. Mm. Um, and um, and it was that was a that was a a crazy period of time of just every spare moment of uh, of just looking at uh, what how one bone is speaking to the next bone and meeting people specialists in biomechanists um, a guy called Hamish Wolfenden who was the um, he was a specialist in the windlass mechanism which is the mechanics of the big toe and um, and they would just introduced me like stuff. And you just dial it into the system and and grow the understanding. So, um, and then 2007, I started, I think, teaching my first course. Um, and I'll never, I always figured I was like two millimeters ahead of everyone else in the room. I just had this little idea and they wanted to know, know about it. And so we would, I taught everything I knew in two days. <laughs> <laughs> they loved it and they said when's the next one and I said oh my god maybe a month give me a month and so I went away and I worked hard again to to kind of pop up a next layer and, and then we did it again and then we ended up running that like four times before and then I thought I've oh, got a course and it was really organic and natural and just working with people and then um, in 2014 um, had already been invited over to teach in in Italy and um, traveled around a little bit but in 2014, David Weinstock from Neurokinetic Therapy, um, I'd met him through him teaching in London um, and some colleagues had come, spoke to him about me and to me about him. And, um, and so we got together and then he invited me over to teach in the States. Uh, and so we went to California for the first time, um, taught over there and teaching there ever since. And then um, uh, the same path, followed so that some of the teachers he, all of his teachers came to the first course so they then went all over the, the world to teach their courses but also talking about me and so that, that was kind of it so yeah massive thanks to david for for that massive huge leg up uh, for, for me i never forget never forget that and um and so yeah we've been we've been doing that ever since um 2014 2013 i wrote what the foot just a burning idea to get everything out and um and I'm so pleased to be able to offer some of the online stuff you mentioned earlier, because um, in What the Foot It Talks, there are these um, case studies, which are basically the magic moments that I experienced. <laughs> I'll write about that because that kind of underlines what I'm talking about. And um, and I think I do think a lot of people thought it was just some kind of sales salesy pitch to get people on courses. And in fact, you do. You can read the Amazon uh, remarks, and that's what that's what people think. And um, and there's also in there. I don't know if I ever regretted it, but I, I had my reasons. And and I talked about the six magic exercises. So we teach a, a gait cycle that has six phases of of gait. Well, I've actually got twelve going on in here, but we teach six. And one of the six is swing phase, which can break down into two. And if you can break six, the 
sixth phase into two, you can break them all into two, and that's how we end up with 12. Um, but we teach these seven, but in what the fuck I talk about six, because it's a nice, nice image. And um, I call them the six magic exercises, but I explain that there's, there's, I can't give you the exercises because the exercises aren't exercises. The exercises are detailed explanations of movements that are about the movement of every single bone from here all the way to your head and your fingers. Yeah. Um, and so to be able to just give you them in a book without an understanding was a risk to send you out just wanging these exercises around. Um, and it takes people a long, long time to refine, to learn and understand um, the ins and outs of those things. So we've been teaching people for who have, you know, they'll have been on my course every year. So they get a sense after one course that they, they liked it, after two that they, they, they wow, we're really onto something, three that it's, it's definitely the thing they want to spend their time learning and focusing on. And then we've seen them six, seven years uh, every year, wherever we go. Um, and even those people are still trying to refine and, and understand. It's not a, um, it, you, and you couldn't give it. So to be able to sell now on online um, and just break down the mechanics for people just to get started and just to start moving and using and to recognize that it's going to take a long time. Plus there's also a lot more content. Yeah. And, um, and some people will connect with it really easily and some will connect with it over a longer a longer period of time and some won't connect with it and we're fine with that as well but um it's such a huge piece of work but when you, you're looking at um the movement of my numbers have just escaped me 206 bones in three dimensions over a single footstep which is 0.6 to 0.8 seconds in a period of time when every bone goes in both directions in all yeah. three dimensions <laughs> right how are we supposed to watch that on the treadmill <laughs> yeah it's, it's <laughs> so infinite. ways of looking at it and um it's really it's really cool I'm, I'm i'm super humbled to have you know been exposed to this awareness and to be able to teach it and um and now like you say to spread it online is uh is a joy yeah. i think so like, all of that story uh, is um first off like I did a personal training course and yeah, you, you're so right. Like that this is, you look at it and go, Oh, I, I knew this. And and then also the danger that that puts people in, it kind of gives that done this course. And now my feeling was um, just from being a professional athlete and the, the people that I was exposed to in the sense of like the professionals that would come in and, and would speak about certain parts of the body or like movement, it could be nutrition, whatever. I because I took a personal interest in it. I was just taking it in, and and you've I felt like I learned more through my experiences and sort of what your story was saying there is like you the experiences you had or the learning you had was from the experiences that then came after, which is which yeah. is just Absolutely. what it's yeah. all about. It's like driving license, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, your, your actual driving yeah. starts once you you're out, yeah. out on the roads, but I think. Um, I think what's more interesting about what you do is the fact that you didn't be, you didn't go down sort of a medical you go off and do the medical side of it and you chose to go and sort of in in field and do all your experience and learn this stuff through there which is yeah I think sometimes people do get um they they do get caught up on 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 what the qualifications of like experience as a qualification almost um, and your experience of what you've seen and uh, the results you've had, like that can be an ex uh, a, a testimonial and a, res a result-based sort of yeah. uh, proven method anyway. So 
I think so many people get caught up on like, I need to go be a PT right now. I need to go and be like a master's. Now I need to go and do like all the, I need to get every single bit of yeah. um, documentation to tell you how good I am, but actually yeah. how good's your experience? Like what have, what the stories that you can tell from the people that you've worked with um, and how it's maybe changed them because you might see someone that uh, is very similar to like Dave, who you saw as well. Like, Oh, he, he had the similar problem. Let's try it out with him. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating actually, the, the stuff yeah. that you do. I've been thanked um, by many people over the years for having not gone down, down that route because um, it's actually, it's, it, it can feel like a long way back. Like if some people um, feel like they need to forget everything they know to learn something new, but as we try to get across this idea um, well, what we talk about in what the foot is this two-sided coin um, and so I kind of loosely give it the um, there's the concentric idea of we must stretch and strengthen to the eccentric idea which is basically a movement movement concept so we've also got stabilize on the left and mobilize on the right if you like but it doesn't mean you need everything that you learn about stability is wrong. You just need to, we just want to expand it and look at, look at the other side of the coin. We'll look at movement. We'll look at what happens when the body's engaged with the ground rather than when it's, which is what we're actually taught was when it's laid on a couch. So open chain an open chain hip flexion can be done lift, lifting your leg up with zero response in, you just get a straight leg and just lift your leg up. That's a hip flexion. But if you do a hip flexion when you're stood up, then you need a whole chain of events all the way down to the big toe and up to the neck to, to actually take place. So that bit seemed to be the bit that just wasn't talked about. Uh, not to mention um, the idea that they'll talk about a foot in the last week of, of the year in June when everybody's thinking about exams, beer and sunshine <laughs> and not going to class. That's been the joke for a long time. It's like, oh, we didn't really turn up for foot class because it's just, just these things that stick out on the end of your leg, right? <laughs> so um, to be able to help people recognize that it's not about forgetting what you have learned and those, you know, large amount of money has been spent on these educations. It's, it, we just want to help you put it into a context and that context is is movement um, and the flow motion model which is the actual description of every um, every bone and joint movement through that 0.6 and 0.8 seconds we look at it it's more like a, a toolbox inside which you can put all your tools rather than a thing on its own it, it, it's a context for everything so in assessment you can assess and, and recognize that the um, that the fact that you struggle to adduct your left hip, that is going to show up in these moments in time with these relationships above and below. Mm. And there'll be a couple of options. And then you can add another an assessment of a rib cage and all of a sudden it will dial it down to these relationships going on. So it, inside it is an assessment process. Inside it is a movement process for, for a desired outcome. Um, and, and it's all based on the, the, the actual shape of, of our anatomy because we've all got, um give or take some people have bigger pelvises or deeper or shallower they're actually the same shape um and we all have the same skeleton um and your hip everybody's hip whether we have that discussion about whether it's shallow deep big small um everybody's hip needs to be able to do six things and that is to flex extend adduct abduct internally and externally rotate um and 
if it can't if it can only do some of those well and others not it's going to have a huge impact on the whole body and so we very simply take all that complexity and back and go can you actually make your get your hip to do those six things but not on their own on a couch not pushing against something or pulling something but in gorgeous unison with all the structures below so when i'm if i can't adduct my left hip when i do where do i want my weight where do i want my what shape do I want my foot to be in? What's my knee going to do? How is my spine going to respond? Is there a rotation? And, and all of those things. And we work in individual planes, cross-dimensional planes to help people just explore their, their body um, in, a very, in a very different way. So when you, you've worked with uh, athletes as well, haven't you? you and you worked yeah. in Premier League? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what was the impact that this work had on them? Like because, and I, I kind of just want to go back to what you were saying there about like a lot of what you say. If you look at how intricate the body is, um, if you even break down a, a skill in a sport, for example, you have to break it down into its multiple components. But then when you're performing it, like you're not thinking about it. You you just it's it's an un- unconscious habit. Unconscious. Yeah. And then what you're saying, what you're doing is really breaking down the movement and where it just again from the foot and then break down the way up. Um, so when you applied that to sports people who can be impatient, they want results pretty quick, they want um, they want to be performing at their best, how, what, how was your sort of like balance of introducing this work and also getting their performance um, better, basically? Um, very simply, um, I have no... remit if you like to go down the the performance side right because what i know is that if they can access their anatomy better their performance is they they know how to use a ball they know how to play the game and they having more access to their anatomy just gives them much more of everything they already had right so that that's almost a given for me um what does regardless of sport or no sport actually um just my bit, I know how to walk to the bus stop. I can walk to the bus stop one way and then and then go through a process um, online without even seeing a person and walk to the bus stop differently. That's my performance. That's my ability to get to the bus. Um, so I'm I'm not. I was stressing my knee every step I took, and now I'm not because I now know how to rotate my pelvis differently. Um, so that's the kind of performance connection. Um, the challenge, it's not really a challenge. <laughs> I don't find it a challenge. Um, the, the, the football clubs have a way it would appear of working with, 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 their injured people. They have a process, they have a doctor at the top. They go through a process whereby there's an injury. They know how to treat it acutely, um, locally. They, if it's then it goes on this kind of downward slide, unfortunately, whereas if there's no outcome over a period of time, the rush is to get them um, to a specialist. And then the specialist tends to look at it and then they go to a surgeon and then there's a surgery and then there's a rehabilitation time and then and whatever. So I guess you either get lucky with your, with, with your injury and it's treatable quickly or you, you, you end up on that slippery slope. Mm. That's what it seems to be. Um, what I'd like to, you know, invite the possibility of recognizing that a lot of these injuries are, not, are coming 
yes, they're coming out of overuse, but overuse of your body in a certain way, because the, the exercises are strength and conditioning based. Um, and so they're repetitive. So whether you, you know, the new fad of 2019, 20 seems to be Nordics um, to strengthen hamstrings, but have we actually taken the time to make sense of why hamstrings are weak if they need strengthening in the first place? Are we, do we understand the role the hamstring needs to have? Are we, if someone's got hamstring problems, are we looking at their foot and their ankle and their histories and their knee? And, and you know, if they've got back pain, are we actually take, paying attention to, to how the rest of their body is speaking to the back? So when I get to work with these athletes, that's, that's what I do. I will take my time to, we use the phrase, what's missing. We assess for what's missing. So parts of your body, you will struggle to access. Um, if I ask you to um, just to anterior tilt your pelvis, posterior tilt your pelvis, you probably go, oh yeah, one's easier. One causes discomfort. That's half of your movement. Hmm. And then if you do that in all three planes, you can create a checklist where you go, actually, there's a load of stuff there I just can't do. But all this stuff I can do. So in that unconscious space you talked about, all the stuff that I can access is what I will access. And all the stuff that I can't access is what I won't. And then you just have imbalance. But what you're saying really about the stuff that you can't access, the stuff you can't access is just where you're at right then. That's just where yeah. you, what just, so that's not saying you can't in the future, but you, you just can't right now. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a live assessment, right? Yep. So side bend left, side bend right in the rib cage. Um, when I side bend left, I push my pelvis all the way out to the right. If you stop the pelvis going to the right side bend left, they, they just can't do it. They need their pelvis. They need that weight shift in order to make it happen. Then you go, oh, right, I didn't realize I couldn't do that. But of course, in training on a Tuesday morning, when they're doing their warm-ups, they think they're doing it, but they're, they're oblivious to the compensations and adaptations that are going on around the whole system. So by educating them, by pointing them out, not only do they realize that they, they do it differently left to right, but they're able to then relearn a way to do it. Um, and we're not teaching them how to do it. We're just stopping them using the tools that they've accessed before to find a new way to side bend to the left. Um, and so, yeah, it's, 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 it's very interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting to, to sit there. Like, um, because it's conflicting. It's conflicting with what's going on at the clubs. It's conflicting yeah. with the existing knowledge out there. Um, it can be uncomfortable, I think. In fact, I know for um, people who've been working at, in sports institutions for a long time and they, they have their way. Um, and so, you know, I'm... I do my best. I would love to be able to educate and, and help them out. But, you know, there's, there's a difference between speaking to the medical outfit and actually and getting players to, to come to come for work. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one until you get that kind of um, one from being a, on a player's side, like you need that buy-in. Um, and you as, a, you as a player, you're given, whether, whether you're an amateur and you go and see someone who gives you a plan, um, or you're a professional and you have strength and conditioning, you have a full medical team sort of on on show, like most of the time, those those individuals as well, like they have a job, like that fundamentally, they have a job they have to look after. And so if they know yeah. that they've got one or two things that are without rocking the boat, without kind of potentially looking like they're, <laughs> they're not training the the players, they're going to they're going to stick to sort of what they know the rule book which they've been taught on on, on a lot Absolutely. of literature so of so yeah so they're not going there's that friction point and and having someone coming in and going like well well move your your feet this way that way 
this is how we're going to change the way we train a little bit. Um, did you find that it was something that you, what you do, you could actually incorporate into regular training um, and it just sat alongside it or it had to completely integrate or move everything else out of the way? Uh, I moved everything else out of the way. It can, it can integrate quite nicely. Um, yeah. So for instance, like if you're if you're if it's strength and conditioning that you're doing and it's uh, bodybuilding and lifting, for instance, um, it wouldn't integrate so well. Uh, so you wouldn't change the way you do a, a deadlift or a squat you because you, you've put in l large weight on or whatever and you stick to the parameters of that. But outside of that, your prep or uh, yeah the way you prepare the body the warm-up, whatever, can all be done in a way where you're optimizing your mechanics for that for that session and for that kind of um, whatever phase of, of training you're in. Um, for the yoga teacher, the yoga teacher will um, have a love of yoga and, and the asanas and um, whatever, uh, what word they use, method or that they follow. Um, but my just start to tweak it a little bit to make more sense of the, if when we're in this position, we might want a slightly different position of the back foot or, or whatever. Um, and a lot of Pilates teachers have slowly adapting because, because Pilates has gone from the kind of laying on the back village hall Pilates to the reformer Pilates and whatever. And so that's big start to become much more 3d. So those people are really engaging in, trying to make sense and understand more of the movements that they're applying applying in those regards so again it's that toolbox idea mm. what you know you've all got your values and your goals that you want to tick off in your own work and your clients have as well um and we we're just looking to um help people achieve their goals with an optimal body rather than uh, flogging a dead horse on one that doesn't that only has half of its movement available yeah yeah i um i think like i want to get on to um like barefoot stuff as well but uh one, one of the things like still staying in, in sport i just remember because my feet as a bowler in cricket were shot uh we had a couple of teammates who were who uh who played football professionally as well and like if you look at a premier league footballer's feet like they're they wear boots that are size too small they they cram them in um they they they're just no toenails like i've got a couple of toenails missing like they're just battered um <laughs> So kind of mixing onto barefoot running, like you're an advocate of, of barefoot running. Like I've introduced more barefoot running uh, into my training. I saw a difference and I wish, yeah. I really wish I'd done it when I was playing. I really wish I'd done it when I was. And I think actually a lot of what you're talking about, a lot of it's fixing dysfunction sort of probably later on in life for a lot of people. Um, and the the aches and pains and the nags that they got, yeah. but actually the, the stuff that is real valuable is introducing it into younger people. Because I look back yeah. at sort of the fourteen year old me when I was when I was looking at right, how do I become bigger, stronger, better? Ah, oh, the only the only info that I can get is the health and fitness magazine that is going to show me a, a lunge yeah. and a bicep yeah. and a tricep. And so, yeah, for me. Like when I've started running barefoot now, for example, um, and I know that some of the stuff you have with uh, Rangan uh, on when you spoke about it on his podcast, um, and you also put it in his book about 
being barefoot hmm. do you like how do you um my advice i give to people especially in sport when they have to wear sport specific footwear because you can't run barefoot in a cricket match you can't run barefoot in a football match and then when you've then when you can be barefoot and you train in it is about kind of blending the two mm. how how would yeah. do you kind of go along the same lines of 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 trying to get as barefoot as you can with this trying to get out of traditional trainers as well i'm um i'm not fussy about barefoot to be honest um i'm not a um I haven't jumped on the on the barefoot bandwagon fully. Yeah. Um, I've never gone for a run barefoot. People should know that. Um, <laughs> in fact, I barely run. I mean, but we spend our time rock climbing. So again, we're okay. Which I'll be talking about that with another group tonight. But stuffing our feet into into climbing shoes, which are you know similar to what you're saying, and people losing toenails and bad skin and bunions. And, um, Does that grind your gears when you see stuff like that? No, maybe no. it would have done. It would have done. But I, <laughs> it's like I didn't. I used to say going to the beach is like the worst place because everybody's like got their anatomy on show, and you're like, oh, I can't look. Yeah. Um, over the years, I've, I've wound it back, and and it's fine. <laughs> Just as people are the way they are, um, and um, look, the, the, here's the thing: is the foot has a very specific way of moving. Okay, um, and it's got. It sounds crazy complex because there's 33 joints that move in three dimensions. But actually, the foot just pronates and supinates. And so what I'd say to people is that out of all of those, com the complexity of all the joints is you actually just need to be able to pronate it and supinate it in order to achieve a successful and healthy footstep and then get the timing right and then integrate it to the rest of the body. Okay. So while that sounds overly simple it's still a difficult thing to to achieve it take, takes time we need to know what what bones moving in what direction at what time and, and how we're going to influence that and how we're going to make that happen but that again can be made simple so um the little plug but we've just released a thing called wake your feet up and it's yep. um and there's an educational part here that tells you you've only got two things you need to do with your feet pronate supinate this is a pronation this is how the foot gets, it gets longer, it gets wider, it spreads, the arch falls. You need to have three points of contact, uh, which is the big toe, little toe and the heel. And then it does the opposite and that's a supination. And then we have the, the leg will follow. Like I talked about the hip flexion earlier when the foot's on the ground, if I put my foot into a pronation, it's gonna create a shape in the whole leg. And put the foot in a supination, it's gonna create a shape in the whole leg. If my legs can achieve both of those shapes, so I call it a pronating leg and a supinating leg, right? If my legs can achieve both of those things, then I am owning my anatomy. Right. And I'm not reliant then on external devices like shoes to support me, um, exercises to strengthen, because if I can move my anatomy, if I can move my bones as I'm describing perfectly, then every piece of tissue that is attached to my structure will go through its lengthening and shortening ranges also in their three dimensions. So you're targeting a huge amount of your anatomy just from two very simple movements. Learning the movements is hard, applying them is hard, but going through a process of uncovering them for yourself, um, where we use, the, we use the wedges to make influence the feet into different shapes, encourage the arch to drop, encourage the maintaining contact of three points, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, you have feet that are working better now than they did before. 
the barefoot and this is where you know i i definitely love love barefoot i would love rather be barefoot i am the vast majority of my day barefoot um, we always work with people barefoot um tend not to walk into london barefoot but if i'm out in mallorca <laughs> i'm barefoot, barefoot right go down to cornwall for the weekend um you know and i remember things like going for a walk barefoot in the in the early days and going wow my calves are really sore because they're being stimulated because you what's happening is you've changed the environment from a repetitive behavior of where on the same foot sole which is your shoe you're just and on a flat surface you've fallen into a habit of repeating 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 the same footstep over and over and over again and then you go barefoot and the ground's a little bit bumpy yeah. undulating all of a sudden your feet are experiencing something different so the bones are moving different tissues responding differently and you and you've got this great feeling you go after three days in cornwall oh my calves feel great then you put your shoes back on on the flat surfaces and you and you crack on again so um what we're looking to do is break those habits because that's what barefoot does but there's two sides to it the other side is if you're going to be successful at barefooting barefoot running barefoot whatever then you need your foot needs to be strong and stable so we have all these programs out there for barefoot which is strengthening and stabilizing um, and and that unfortunately is not doing the foot justice because if you're stabilizing what you're actually doing is con packing the foot you're making it nice and stiff yeah again um and and then if you're taking the movement away by trying to be strong and stable how does that actually allow movement higher up the chain if given everything that i've said before so we've got two camps now one is we're going to get really strong and stable with a high arched foot and actually what you'll find is most people's anatomy in a high arched foot if you look at the rear foot that rear foot is still attempting to roll inside even though they're trying to be nice and stiff because the foot needs to roll inside the foot needs to pronate because that's what actually stimulates the tissue to supinate to contract and that's why pronating and supinating are two sides of a coin you can't have one without the other if you take one away if we take pronation away and go strong and stable you're actually not supinating either so you're not moving You've become you've exactly your goal was to become rigid yeah. so mobility in the foot is far more important for the whole body than going barefoot right does that make yeah. sense yeah totally. so if you, and, and we've we used to work on force plates a lot and um and what we talking spoke to a person who was running a or distributing for a um a barefoot company and i said what you find is you walk the person over the platform barefoot you get you you'll see the how their foot moves through the platform put their barefoot shoe on and and it will be the same and he said at least it does it what it says on the tin and i said yeah spot on but if your feet are already <laughs> i was going to say fucked i'm not sure yeah <laughs> if your feet are already fucked then um and you put it in a barefoot shoe without then you're just going to get the same outcome you're going to have the same input but things can change because you're now you're probably exposing yourself to different surfaces blah 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 my thing is if we can get your foot to move better and ultimately dominate the footwear that you're wearing rather than have your foot dominated by the footwear you're wearing yeah you, you can be in a very very strong position so you, like you said you're training or you've got to play in your cricket shoe. Yeah. Obviously size and fit and all that is super important. Um, 
but then outside of that what more could you be doing to make sure that feet are accessible mobile and in in those ways so you you could probably do a lot lot for people yeah i don't i i think that's a really really good point about how mobile your your foot becomes because that's what i felt i felt my foot and not only that just general elasticity of my entire Mm. body um it was a it was a Joe Rogan podcast and I can't remember the name of the, the Iron Man that was on there. Um, but he was an ultra runner and he was talking about, cause they were talking about the, the, the fad of sort of like new barefoot people t- coming out and talking about it. And does he do it? Does he wear his running shoes all the time? And he said like, it was horses for courses, depending on, he had a really good understanding and that owning of his anatomy, he understood his body really well. So he would go, yeah. if I felt like I was becoming rigid, I put my bare shoes on my barefoot shoes on because I would knew my foot was starting to die. Essentially it was starting to die in those, <laughs> those soft shoes. And, and, um, and I think that was a really good example of how he, he had actually found the blend of, of knowing and understanding his anatomy, because I think, I don't know how you must come across so many people who are in orthotics. And I, I, I just, I look at the shoes that people are running in and like you train people in it and they're just, they're sitting in a sofa, like their feet are just sitting in a sofa and they're, they're dead. And then you get them to do a lunge and like, then you look up the knee, the hip and, and you can't move and you go, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to run faster. It's like, well, you, can, you can't lunge properly at the moment. Like, yeah. you, how do you expect yeah. to move side to side properly um, yeah. and do all of this performance-based stuff, which again, I really liked how you, you, you explain it, that it's kind of like a byproduct. It's a byproduct of just, once you own your anatomy and you know what you're doing, it's a byproduct, but um, that 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 I think was a big for, for me personally has become a real learner of. Um, as soon as I got out barefoot, it's like right, okay, I don't I can put my my other trainers on again, but like I I start to understand when my my feet are starting to shut down or they're starting to tighten up and they're they're not as loose or especially for for athletes, I think it's so super important because again your foot. Is, again take swimmers out of it but like your your feet are the contact point that you're going to have all the time you're one leg all mm. the time if you're running yeah. and and especially if you need to make multi-directional changes uh yeah. how much control do you have do you have control yeah. like as much control as you possibly could have or are you tin manning it like what are you <laughs> where you're at with it um for me for me, there's a there's a there's a piece that i think i would like to make make aware is because I'm playing in my head with the difference uh, in, in the, the, the stories there where, you know, the, I'll go, I'll take my shoes off because my feet are getting stiff mm. and then they'll get mobile again. And what I'm saying is, do you remember the unconscious part about what's missing about there's, there's going to be joints in your feet that you just unconsciously don't use. Um, because we know that we, we can, have a room full of people, up to 40 people. We'll teach a room of up to 40 people. And then one of the things we'll do is we'll actually check when they've got their weight forward, knee bent, all on that, say they've got their left foot forward, and then just check if they can keep their first metatarsal on the ground and the fifth metatarsal on the ground. And, and the vast majority, no, nobody can keep both down. You're in a room of 40 people, do that seven or eight times a year around the globe and all of a sudden you're into 300 people and you've not found anyone who can keep both metatarsals on the ground and then all the clients who you do the same check with nobody can do it some people can't do either 
And so if you're, if you're one of those people who says, oh, I've got, I always get hard skin under my second and third metatarsal head, that's the second and third from the big toe knuckle, and you've got hard skin under there, that's because that's where you're standing. You're standing on your second and third bones, not using your first, fourth, and fifth. Mm. So we have to create an environment for you to put those chaps down. So everybody, in my opinion, on one foot at least, or most likely both, up in the 90% are unable to actually stand and put weight through the appropriate parts of their foot. What this means is that they're only able to access parts of their foot, not other parts of their foot. And what that means on a more micro level is that they're able to move some joints well and other joints not. And so if the foot stiffens up and they go, I'm gonna take my shoe off and go for a jog, what they're gonna do is feel looser to the point where they know loose. And because what they've done is they've only been able to loosen the joints that are actually the ones they can access. Whereas the other ones will just stay the same because they don't use them. They're still running around on one knuckle with a heel rather than the other one. So everybody has what we call a tripod. The optimal tripod is first, fifth and calcaneus. For everybody, they then organize it. They must have one somewhere, whether that's calcaneus, navicular and big toe, they'll still find it. Um, And so for a lot of people, you'll find it second, fourth toe, second, third, big toe, third and the heel, inside of the heel, outside of the heel, whatever. But it's not the one that we want, which is something that we want to promote everybody to be able to have access to. So all of a sudden, there's feeling loose. And you, but neurologically, you go, this is me feeling stiff. And this is me feeling loose. This feels better than this. So I feel good again. The reality is when you actually put your feet your feet on some wedges and explore all of the ranges of movement possible, get your first and fifth on the ground, um, then what happens is that loose goes over here. Right. And that increase is exponential. Right. And so that's what we that's what we want people to notice. That's what we want people and you can do that in the comfort of your own home, which is why I've created the Wake Your Feet Up program. Um, because to take ownership of your body is to go I, my tripod is in this part of my body, in, in my foot, sorry, and not in this part. And if I do this and do this movement, I can spread that load, I can distribute that load more. Now I'm actually starting to move the whole foot, mobilize all of the bones and the joints rather than just the ones that I did before and put life into the ones where I didn't have movement before. Yeah. And that's, that's what really starts to reorganize your brain's perception of what, of what your foot is. And that's what really starts to change those habits so that we can then, and then you will be more comfortable going out barefoot, but you'll also be more comfortable wearing a shoe, providing the shoe isn't the type of shoe that will influence you. So the shoe has a center of mass that will influence your foot if it, and and so I'm really careful around shoe manufacturers and and whatever. So expand a little bit more on that. Who, so not, 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 branding anyone naming names but like uh what what sort of things are you looking for in footwear that you're like these are no go these this is not what i want to be touching this is not where i want to be uh you don't want a everything has a center of mass so um if i i normally do this but if i hang are we doing this on video yeah yeah if i if i hang this by a piece of string that piece of string will run straight through vertically through the center of mass of the structure and if i do it here it will run through 
um, you can hold a human. If you hold a human by the wrist, that vertical line will go straight through his abdomen, his yeah, L4, okay. L5. If you're hanging by the ankle, that vertical line will go straight through it. So we can mathematically work out a center of mass uh, of everything. We used to do it for skis as well, so you could find where you mount your binding. Um, and um, and a shoe is no different. So you can organize the laces to, to, to check, but if, if a center of mass is too far inside, it will naturally create a roll. Hmm. Um, in the shoe which will then have an impact on on the on the foot so you ha- you do have choices to make around your footwear is it comfortable the vast majority of footwear by the way is is <laughs> i would talk about de-branding but it's just a whole industry yeah um that, that isn't necessarily so the barefoot shoes are less impactful in that sense because they've got less material yeah um but i have seen barefoot shoes um where i've seen somebody walk into a classroom barefoot Later, I've seen them with their shoes on and they're, and they're being forced to roll in differently to how they were. So even a barefoot shoe, because it is an external input, can can have that impact on, on you. So is there, any, is there any shoes that you go, yep, yeah, thumbs up, go get those, or you would point no, people in the direction? Shoes, <laughs> you are just really as barefoot as you can get to. I absolutely despise buying shoes. Really? Um, and so if I do, when I do find a pair... Um, the last pair, I don't even know the name of the brand. They were not the prettiest, but they were really, they just really nice. And I wore them a lot. And I had an <laughs> Under Armour pair, which I had for way too long. And um, because they were so good. And then when they finally cocked it, um, I found out that Under Armour seemed to have changed their shoe again. So I'm less yeah. happy. Yeah. Uh, so currently on the lookout. But again, what you're saying is really that the more you have control of that foot and the more strength that you're having within it and the more of of all of the work you're doing even if you did get a, a poor shoe as long as you're not living in it 24 7 365 yeah. like you're going to be better and you're doing the work to look after your foot i think um but then again that's that's hoping that someone is willing to put that work in like there's that element of it Exactly. It's the same thing, isn't it? If you go and you do your, let's say bowling, we could perceive bowling as an imbalanced sport. Yeah. Um, so it's fine to do your imbalanced sport. Most sports are probably imbalanced on, on some level. Yeah. Uh, if you then come away and you spend your time organizing your whole body so that it's balanced. If you live, um, you do all your bowling, um, and in order to get your right hand really high and throw all that power down, you end up leaning over to the left a little bit. Um, and then you do everything leaning left to it a little bit. You create a fixed state that is always going to limit your mobility and your movement. So that's mm-hmm. why to come away from that um, and be able to check that you you can still side bend right, side bend left, rotate left, right, and you work, go through a process that you're always able to access your anatomy, then your performance levels will stay high and your injury risk will reduce because injury risk is simply if you if you hold a consistent posture that is not neutral centered or balanced you just have what we call tension and compression in the system so you're going to tension is where muscles are locked long um so they're longer than they should because joint if i if i side bend to the left or my right side is basically put under tension but my left side is placed under compression as joint where joints close so if you live in that space for long enough then eventually the straw breaks the camel's back. There's the stuff on the long side tears or the stuff on the short side. Um, what's the word? Gets impacted or, um, yeah. So, so with with um, 
obviously you have everything online you've got a lot of stuff online at the moment and also with your course so you put a post out saying like once you buy the course you get it for forever like learning is you you get access to it for as long as you want i'd been on i'd been on I a course people were asking me about that no it's true like i'd been on yeah. a course before there's a time limit to the amount of access you get to it which really did blow blow my mind it's kind of like you buy a book from a library uh, or buy a book from a store and then the store asks for it back that's why i said it's like if you buy it you, you know you can you can watch age of ultron for as long as you like if you buy it <laughs> yeah I'm so anything so yeah with that so as well as um going online and checking out your programs that you have on your website um what other is there a simple thing that someone can do especially say a young person like maybe it might be one exercise that they can do with their foot that will start to maybe show them a little bit of an impact of some of this work um without having any stuff i would my i think my number one thing for anybody to go away and try to do would be to get those three points of contact we talked about right on the ground so um and that's where where we will use the wedges basically to if 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 your big toe knuckle is actually floating off the ground when you put your weight on it you can actually put fingers underneath it just shove a tea towel under there to fill that space and start put bearing you know almost like a front leg lunge but just bearing weight on that on that tea towel so your brain is getting an experience of putting weight through the toe rather than weight through the place that is not as optimal um, and and things start to reorganize and the other nice one is because um, a lot of people lift their toes lift their big toes up yeah um, if you lift your big toe up what should happen is your foot should create an arch. So um, if I want to create an arch, let's say we do it in my left foot. If I lift my left big toe up, I can rotate my body ever so gently to the left so that the leg is rotating outwards and the big toe is lifting and you should be able to formulate an arch shape. And that's and if you can keep the three points of contact on the floor, you've got yourself a, um, a strong foot a winning little movement that would generally be new so and also if anybody's lifting their toe up um, and their legs are rolling rotating inwards then um, then uh, you you probably should do that one because that's that's going to highlight a, a large weakness that will carry through the rest of your body good oh, that's awesome yeah i think for for me as well like making like what you've done, making something this stuff accessible is the biggest thing. And if you if you can do this early, I was given a bit of advice, literally. And these were the words that even my dad said to me was like, if you're going to be a professional sportsman and, and you're going to go into cricket with the forces that go for it, look after your feet. Look after wow. your feet. Like that was his advice. And uh, dad say, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's not, I mean, you kind of look at it and you go, well, at the time there wasn't really the information out there. There wasn't really much sports science in the sport. There was everything was kind of growing. So, yes, maybe there's a, an element of timing was was a bit against me. But I did always, for sure, like I always knew that my feet were going to be the a big part of of my my sport and just again with my sport being the amount of impact that goes through your feet is is crazy and all one-sided but um then with running the amount of training that you do and just the time that you're on your feet geez look after it like don't 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 take it don't take it for granted 
So your website, find, Finding Centre, is where everyone can find all of this information as well. Findingcentre.co.uk. Yeah. Okay. Um, currently, we've reorganised it under coronavirus uh, limitations just to AIM education, just being the online stuff, because we've obviously got no courses or anywhere to, to apply to or anything. So um, there's the Closed Chain Biomechanics course, which is a, an educational 600 minutes of... Uh, of education and what we've been talking about from the foot through the knee to the hip and pelvis um, and we'll be launching an upper body one um, later <laughs> um, no dates because we've not even started filming that one yet but um, and then for non-sports people and for the sports people and for the therapists for everybody it's wake your body up um, and wake your feet up is an opportunity to really have a go at taking ownership of your body. And the other part of that is at the moment, you can't go and see anybody anyway yeah. for therapy. So <laughs> what is better than actually seeing if you can help yourself? Um, and where the worst case scenario is you go to see someone and they treat the problem um, and it comes back straight away. The best case scenario is you actually find out the bits of your body that don't move very well, start to move them and it takes pressure off the areas that are, have been problematic. And that's, that's my big goal really is to enable therapists to help people take ownership of their own body. And in the absence of the therapist, just to be able to help people take ownership of their own body. So we've all got one yeah. um, and if we can all know how to use it and use it well, then we'll all be much happier. I think. Matt, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for, for your time and, and coming and do this. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been a pleasure. Really nice to connect cheers. with you. Yeah. Cheers, Gary. Thanks again for listening to the Raising Your Game podcast. You can support the podcast as always in a variety of ways. You can leave a rating, a review, subscribing via YouTube or even sharing on social media. I'm on Instagram at Lewis Hatchet as well as my YouTube channel where I post up videos and clips of the podcast themselves. So that one is Lewis Hatchet on YouTube. You can also find me on my other social media channel at The Sport Yogi, which is on Instagram, Facebook, and also a YouTube channel. That's based towards more movement, breath work, mindfulness, and meditation for athletes, sports people, or even if you're just into exercise, and you know what, even the everyday person too. So go check out those channels if you're interested in that sort of thing. I'm super excited to announce that I'm going to be releasing an app so that all my content is going to be really easy to digest. It's going to be super useful for people within sport and exercise to help improve flexibility, strength, focus, calm, using all these techniques that are around yoga-based movement, breath work, meditation, mindfulness, and then also some mindset work. I'm really keen on looking after not only the bodies, but the minds. My motto is to keep your mind strong and your body ready. So keep an eye out on my channels for the app that's going to be released in the coming weeks. It's something that I am super, super excited about. Anyway, thanks again for listening and I'll see you soon.